This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Mike White, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com and more podcasts presented by Obsessive Viewer at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer, where we have several different uh, Patreon tiers that you can subscribe to. At the $1 level, you get access to tons of exclusive B-roll episodes. It's mostly us just kind of farting around and also us uh, talking about various topics and everything. And at the $2 a month level, you get that plus TV and book reviews and reaction episodes that I record solo. Um, I'm currently doing a deep dive into Stephen King's short fiction collections. Uh, January is all about Night Shift. I have five five episodes of uh, Night Shift coverage coming out every, once every Sunday in January. And then February will hopefully be different seasons and so on and so forth. Uh, that's at the $2 level. And then at the $5 month level you get all of that plus movie commentary tracks and immediate reviews i had a very fun um unique um uh immediate reaction review of scream uh when i saw it the first time and you can get a commentary track uh, one of 25 commentary tracks currently on the five dollar level uh is me and mike doing a commentary for scream 1996 and then finally at the ten dollar a month level you get all of that plus early access to episodes and bonus content that's not released on the main feed again that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer i'm your host the aforementioned matt hurt and with me today is the connoisseur of horror films that I the the most notable connoisseur of horror films that I know and someone who shares as much of a love of the Scream franchise as I do, Mr. Mike White. How's it going, Mike? Oh, it's going great. Man, that's nice. quite an introduction. I appreciate uh, yes. that. Oh, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I'll I'll take those. I'll take those accolades. Thank nice. you. Man. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm I'm still thinking about uh, you calling me the connoisseur of horror. <laughs> I did, oh, yeah. rolls off the tongue, or maybe it's a bit of a mouthful. I don't know. I'm pretty good. Um, nice. You know, it's uh, it's we got a Martin Luther King weekend, mm-hmm. uh, which is exciting, and then I'm just kind of enjoying it and, and nice. trying to uh, stay COVID free. Yeah, we'll see. I'll keep you posted on that. Nice, nice. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm trying that as well. Although tomorrow is going to be my third time in the movie theater in <laughs> yeah. this weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> all to see Scream. So there's that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So today we're going to be reviewing Scream 2022. Um, I did want to mention, I did want to point out that this episode isn't going to go up until sometime next week, but we are recording this on Sunday, January 16th, which happens to be the birthday of our own Tiny. So happy birthday, Tiny, if you're listening. That's Um, right. Happy belated, but we are wishing you happy birthday on your actual birthday. Yes. And it is also kind of, um interesting connection to this episode it is also john carpenter's birthday that's Um, right so that's interesting yeah i think there's a strong 
strong, or I don't know if it's an argument. I think it's fact that this movie it doesn't exist without John Carpenter's uh, influence all those years ago. So, oh, absolutely. Oh, one hundred percent. Even even the main character is named after Carpenter. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I love that. But yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking all things Scream. We're going to, of course, do a non-spoiler section and a spoiler section. But Mike, you haven't been on the podcast in like a week because <laughs> we did the year in review <laughs> episode. Uh, how has 2022 been to you in terms of movies so far? Not great. Um, okay. You know, if you listened to that episode, I I uh, the only movie I have seen since we recorded that episode was Scream. Oh uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, so there's not a whole lot of new <laughs> uh, <laughs> new watching to uh, to promote. But nice. Hopefully, you know, once the <clears throat> Once my routine kind of gets going a little bit normal mm-hmm. uh, with school, I'll be able to kind of get back into my routines. Although, nice. although, uh, you know, with Omicron and, yeah, you know, the contagiousness of this variant. Uh, mm-hmm. Here we go, man. Th- this is our new this is our new bingo like, yeah. center is when do they start <laughs> talking about COVID. Right. Uh, <clears throat> Long time <laughs> listeners. Shout out to you. Uh, yes. But. Yeah, you know, I haven't even brought this up with uh, Jake, my, mm-hmm. my movie night partner, but I'm considering shutting down movie night for just a couple weeks. I was wondering if you guys were going to adjust or anything. Yeah, I, I think we might. Uh, well, hmm. I will say a little peek behind the curtain. My wife kind of thinks we should. She's oh, kind of yeah. mentioned it. Um, and my son is not feeling very good. Mm-hmm. He had a... He had a COVID test today, so we're going to wait and see how that goes. But yeah, you know, if I mean, if that's a positive test, we're definitely not going to movie night this right. week. So, um, interesting. I mean, that's you know, like, hopefully it, it's it, negative, obviously. Yeah. Well, thanks. I hope yeah. so too. Um, 2020 is 2022. Like, have you seen that? <laughs> like, 2022 is 2020. Yep. Two. Yep. Right. It's the sequel. Exactly. Uh, so it, it feels kind of the same and. I watched a lot of movies in 2020, but mm-hmm. uh, 2021 was a little slow. And yeah, we'll do see. You, we'll do see. you think that you'll do any like if you so like say Omicron surges and everything, or even this is this something that you guys maybe did something in 2020 to like this? But would you and Jake like do like a like an at home movie night kind of thing? We we didn't do one. Okay. We didn't even do a single one. Yeah, I don't. I mean. We might to get together mm-hmm. and to get together with a, a buddy or two, but we don't count them. Right. Um, you know, in the past, even when we've gone pretty hardcore on movie nights, mm-hmm. um, we would do like a, a Shocktober double feature with friends mm-hmm. where after movie night, we would come to a house and watch a double feature. And we oh, never wow. counted those. Those don't count. Right. Has to be in so. a theater or in a drive-in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Good. I like the integrity. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and before we get into our review and everything, um, spotlight on as good as it gets. Tell us about your band and what's to come on. Oh, sure. Everything. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so another hopefully big year for as good as it gets in 2022. Uh, we put a group together, so hopefully we're going to play some shows. Uh, And then the big thing is we're going to be releasing singles over the year uh, about every six weeks. So February 18th, uh, which is about a month from when this episode comes out, uh, we'll have our our first single. I guess I can 
reveal the title of the thing. I don't know that Sweet. that's a thing people care about, but oh, yeah. the song is called Several Bad Examples. Nice. Uh, and I really think people are going to like it. It's 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 like our first new song in a long time. I mean, you know, that's awesome. The, our last album was like the old Thank You Jade song. So this is mm-hmm. the first one in a while that we wrote, recorded, you know, within a couple of months of releasing. So it's, I'm excited for that. That's awesome. I'm super excited for it as well. Um, and I did have a question. Okay, so the song shop songs, do you mm-hmm. have a title for ours? Not yet. No, okay. We, don't, okay. we don't even have a melody for years yet. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been trying to catch up on the Patreon. It's taking mm-hmm. a little longer than I expected. Oh, yeah. I apologize for that. No, but, no, no, no. no. Um, I didn't mean to grill you or anything. I was just yeah, curious. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely, basically, I'll kind of put an arrangement together mm-hmm. uh, before we even start coming up with lyrics. And the, the title really is like the last thing oh, I interesting. do. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, I'll have, I'll have students who are working on an essay and I'm like, don't forget a title mm-hmm. and they'll start and they're like, I can't think of a title. And I'm like, well, d- you can't name a thing before it exists. So that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's fair. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to everything you do musically this year and podcastfully. Well, yeah, um, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Because uh, there's some there's some movies that I definitely want you I want you to be on for for the review. No pressure or anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I'm on a pretty good streak here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, we've done you and I have, and Tiny really for that matter have mm-hmm. made some uh, pretty decent content. Oh yeah. lately. So hopefully oh, yeah. keep the ball rolling there. Absolutely. And speaking of content, let's talk about Scream. Are you ready to get into this? Scream, 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 scream. Yes. So we are going to, like I said, we're going to be doing a non-spoiler review and a spoiler review. Um, yeah, and we're going to kind of kind of get kicked off with a rundown of our thoughts on the franchise as it stands now before going into Scream 22, which is going to be kind of interesting because we did do a commentary track for Scream 96 on mm-hmm. Patreon at the $5 level. You can check that out. Um, but Mike, we have talked over the years ad nauseum about scream um what does scream mean to you and what does how would you before going into scream 22 how did you feel about the franchise as as it stood well to to kind of borrow your stance on the movie uh and to kind of borrow your exact phrasing it i'll say it's one of the movies uh that show it, it holds up a mirror to me. It says, mm-hmm. this is why you love movies, right? Nice. Scream is one of the reasons I love movies. Uh, I didn't see it as early as you did. The, the original, mm-hmm. I didn't see it until college. In fact, I saw Scream 2 before I saw Scream 1, kind of infamously uh, among my friends. Um, but it means the world to me. I, I, I watch a lot of movies, almost, uh, horror movies, and not mm-hmm. to be overly bombastic here, but I kind of watch movies through the lens of Scream. Um, you know, nice. I've said many times before that Halloween is just my favorite all time, but Scream is pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I think about my top 10 movies of all time, Halloween and Scream uh, are pretty high up there. Yeah. The franchise as a whole uh, ebbs and flows. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, it's better than a lot of other franchises. I think the yeah. consistency... Uh, in the tone, uh, and I think, well, the consistency of the director, at least for the first four, was mm-hmm. important. And then, more importantly, the the consistency of the final girl and the and the three 
slash four ish every now and then legacy yeah. characters uh really keeps this thing grounded in a way that a lot of the franchises in the horror genre don't yeah uh, like cling to like if if you don't mind me uh sure interrupting yeah. like the fact that four entries you have to interrupt me oh, you yeah. know I'll, you know i'll just go <laughs> you're like mike what do you think and i'm like right. hold on let me take a drink yeah like we have we have a franchise before before now we had a franchise of four movies made mm-hmm. over the course of 15 years all by the same director like mm-hmm. in the horror genre that seems and to, and to a great rare. degree, the same writer. Yeah. I, mean, I know that oh, yeah. Eric Kruger kind of did a number mm-hmm. on screen three, but, you know, the bones are Kevin Williamson. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just uh, off the top of your head, are there any horror franchises that have that kind of longevity in terms of the behind the scenes? Oh, behind the scenes? Not really. Like in terms of the same director and writer? No, not necessarily. I mm. mean, I could nitpick if I wanted. I mean, sure. Sean S. Cunningham has been involved mm. as a producer in four or five of the Friday the 13th movies. Mm-hmm. Steve Miner directed two of them. Uh, we now have David Gordon Green oh, yeah. doing three Halloween movies. At, with, like, with the, um, you know, John Carpenter has a producer credit on those. So he's a producer on one, two, and three, and then David Gordon Green's one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to a certain extent, but in, in terms of like, you know, one, one or two creators specific vision, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I, yeah. I guess you could suggest, I don't know, Lee one L the, on the first oh, yeah. three Saw movies. Like ah, I said, you even could, that you could, though. Yeah, right. Even James Wan is kind of a, yeah, yeah, right. Yes. Darren exactly. Bozeman, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Darren Lynn Bozeman, yeah. So um no, you would you would have to like fudge some numbers. Yeah. I think. And or or you know, look toward Kevin Feige and Marvel. Oh yeah. Uh, and what he's done. Um, you know, and the Russo brothers and mm-hmm. what they've done with a specific vision. But in terms of horror. Yeah. It really, you know, plays on the tropes and, and it wants to be unabashedly a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, I can't think of another I can't think of another franchise. Yeah. And that's just I don't know. That's really kind of just special. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So uh, it is. So yeah. famously uh, or, or maybe not so famously. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, after Scream 3, it was 11 years before we got Scream 4. Yep. And then it's been 11 years since then. So 22 yeah. years since the supposed trilogy ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 11 years and 11 years. How did you, uh, how, how did your relationship with Scream uh, change, develop, strengthen, weaken, what, in the last 22 years? Ooh. So... And I I, I want to say that the timing is a little off there because it was ten years from last one. No 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 eleven because twenty two. I'm still twenty one. Damn. All right, uh-huh. my bad. Um, That's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's really interesting because I, I I adore I adore the franchise unabashedly. Um, after we recorded our commentary track, I switched my like all time favorite movies list to have uh scream is now number four instead of number five. That's um, awesome. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I had to, but it's interesting because I, I really love the, the franchise and it's one that I 
have talked about a lot. By the way, I just want to give kind of a shout out and let you guys know that I did write an essay for Midwest Film Journal all about Randy Meeks and my love of the franchise. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for uh, to that. I was really proud of that essay and really excited for people to read it. But anyway, Scream 1 I saw when I was 10 blew my blew my mind um, just because I, I loved it as – I think the more I think about it, I wasn't – into horror movies or I think I wanted to be into horror movies but I was a little reticent to be into horror movies because I was a 10 year old kid and I I think some (laughs) of the stuff just yeah Yeah. and I kind of like some of the stuff kind of grossed me out a little bit or made me nervous but I think the thing that made Scream 96 so special one of one of many things that made it so special was the way that it presented itself as a whodunit it presented itself mm-hmm. as a, oh, any one of these kids can be the killer. And then mm-hmm. it it hoodwinks us and it's like, oh, wait, hang on. By the way, there's two killers. Um, and it just – I think that at its heart, it's this whodunit slasher meta story. And like in addition to being just making me just like opening opening the doors for me to be a movie fan, it was just something that – made the horror genre for a 10 year old like me more accessible. Um, so that's, that's my love for scream. And then as the, as the franchise progressed, I was blown away by scream Two. I still struggle with whether or not I like it more, more or less than scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of neck and neck with me, but yeah. And, and like those came out very close together. So scream came out in 96 scream two came out like late 97. 97. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was three, four years until scream three. 1999, December 99. Was it so 99? Two, I thought mm-hmm. it was 2000. Yeah, two years. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, by that time I had kind of, I, I wouldn't say grown out of it, but I wasn't as obsessive about it as I was previous. Cause I think that that's when I started to, branching out in terms of movies and different genres and like becoming more of a movie fan. And I remember seeing like the trailer for Scream 3 and seeing that and and thinking like, oh, 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 Scream 3 is coming out. I didn't realize that. Okay. Um, what What is Sorry, Randy? Scream 3 is 2000. Okay. I thought so. I'm, I'm, okay. Yeah. I'm sure there are listeners screaming, screaming, yeah. screaming. Right now. I apologize for <laughs> that. Yeah, it is 2000. Stabbing uh, at us. They're a nightmare on Elm Streeting us. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Scream, by the time Scream 3 came out, I was kind of, I wasn't, I wasn't like a scream, screamaholic anymore. I was more of just a film snob movie. Buff oh, really? Guy. It had waned in just two years. Yeah, I guess so. Like it, it had, it two had years? been a little bit. Like I, I wasn't as obsessive about it as I was before, and that's that's not necessarily to say that I had lost interest in it. It's just that I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about it every single day like I was between Scream and Scream 2. Sure. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. And so when Scream 3 came out, I saw it in the in the theater obviously and I I loved it uh at the time and then it it is it is my least favorite of the sequels. I'll go ahead and say mm-hmm. that. Um some of the stuff they did was not to my liking or anything, but then yeah, it's Matt Bellini Open and Tyler Gillett's least favorite screen movie as well. Oh, really? See, I, I don't, I just, I'm just oh, assuming yeah, oh, yeah. we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, but it's something that, like, after that, it was dormant for like 10 years. And then Scream 4 came out. And I, I remember you and I talking about it a lot and being excited yeah. about it and everything. And yeah. then 
we didn't have a podcast to to talk about it on, <laughs> so we don't have a document. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited for Scream Twenty Two is because now we have this. This is this is something to document it, and this is such a pivotal movie in our collective like fandom of movies that I'm just really excited that we have a platform to document uh how we feel about this movie <laughs> and just yeah, kind of for sure. geek out over I it. agree and and um I got to say it's it, it feels all but certain that there's going to be a Scream 5 part 2. Yeah. Uh you know big close to 40 million uh yep. holiday weekend <laughs> with Omicron. Uh you know mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people were deciding not to go but word of mouth yeah. and maybe oh, it's yeah. just my excitement maybe I I I don't know, maybe my ear is kind of mm-hmm. closer to the ground with this uh, kind of thing. But yeah. the buzz seemed a little better than mm-hmm. uh, uh, Scream 4 this time around. And oh, just I agree. What with the success, and and I could argue, and we'll talk about this later, uh, the way this Scream ends, I think mm-hmm. that I, I, I can't imagine that there won't be uh, a Scream 6. So yeah. uh, the idea that we're going to have screen movies to talk about moving forward is pretty exciting thing. Absolutely agree. I can't wait for a couple years when scream kills comes out and then scream ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so deliriously happy about, about this. Like it's weird because, and this is something we can talk about in the actual review and everything, but being a part of like a fandom of something and being having this emotional connection with a property and then seeing it thrive in such a mm-hmm. such a great way while also while also dealing with the type of fans that we're talking about like <laughs> the type of fandom and everything it, it confronts that head on but yeah um but yeah like just having that and just knowing that we'll have more is just really really exciting to me um and to yeah. be clear we don't uh you know, as a podcast, mm. we don't really care about the numbers and who makes what money. But oh, yeah. you know, more mo- bigger numbers means more movies, and that just gets us excited. Oh, so absolutely, that, really, that's the only reason we would talk about uh, box office. So, oh yeah. Speaking of opening weekend, Matt, you actually yes. got to see the movie an hour before I did. I one did. hour. I, I think our screen, uh, the, our, our our curtain times were at the same time, but you live mm. an hour in the future. Oh uh, yeah. And so, what was your theater like on opening night and the theater experience and the crowd? Oh, that is a great question. Okay, so it was pretty much a packed house. Um, the two seats next to me, the three seats next to me to my right, were empty. Um, they, okay. but uh, like they were no shows basically. Um, and I had really thought about just switching over to the seat next to me just to get like a buffer seat, but I was also like perfectly centered with the screen. So hopefully that uh, doesn't come back yeah, to bite me in the ass. <laughs> yeah. And then the girl next to me kept coughing. So that made me very uneasy. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's that. But, um, uh, I, one of my, a very nice uh kind of moment was i was in line to get my my uh what it, my kind of pre, my required beverage of the night cuz like when sure. i cuz with a list i i don't know i i i like to when i can get a large drink um to kind of cuz it cuz i'm not spending Treat money yourself. on a ticket yeah, yeah. i'm right. not spending money on a ticket i'll get a, i'll get a concession 
um, and get my stubs points that way. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I'm in line and like j- just the person in front of me, um, like I had headphones in the entire time, but the person in front of me was wearing a sweatshirt that had Ghostface on the back. And I was like, this is, I love this it. is great. I, I love yeah, that. Yeah, I had some Scream t-shirts as well. Nice. Screening. Yeah. Nice. It made me. I, love, I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think there was like an original Scream 2 shirt. Oh, that's uh, awesome. It looked, it looked faded enough that this guy actually got it in 1997. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was impressive. Nice. Wow. And <laughs> the idea that the dude, like uh, like someone can still fit in a shirt from 97. I envy that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, right. yeah. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so, like, the theater experience was great. Like, people were laughing, jolting, gasping at all the right moments. I'm sitting there like a freaking idiot, just like, like, I'm, there were moments in this movie where I, like, I clutched my chest, like, oh, they Uh, did that. They, oh, they said this. And, oh, yeah, just so, it was such, it was a, it was such a fun theater experience for me. I, I was just so floored by it. Um, how was your theater experience with it? It was pretty close to that. I, I don't mm-hmm. know that um, I had the the crowd interaction. It sounds like you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, there were a good amount of Scream uh, t-shirts, which is always fun to see. Um, I was lucky enough that to my left was friend of the podcast uh, and host of The Nerds You're Looking For, Pat mm-hmm. Coon. Nice. And then to my right was my friend Jake. So uh, in terms of like knowing and, you know, are the people next to me vaccinated? Mm-hmm. I, I That was comfortable, nice. at least uh, for me. And then kind of the same thing. I, I don't know that there were shrieks and squeals mm-hmm. uh, of terror or anything like that. Uh, and it's it kind of seemed like an older crowd, which I, I think okay. might be part of that. Um, but yeah, any any of the any of the funny bits hit, like hit really hard. Uh, Dewey clearly is a is a fan favorite. Oh yeah, uh, and you know anything he did or anything that was kind of centered on him mm-hmm. uh, popped I, for the crowd. Nice, uh, so that was fun to watch. Uh, yeah, it was just it was a good crowd and it was a good experience. I like. I purposefully, I was kind of tired all week and I went mm-hmm. to bed early the night before just because nice. I wanted to be like peak performance for this. That's it's interesting. Awesome. It, 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 it's funny that it comes at the tail end of a good couple of months of movies that mean a great deal to me. Oh, you know, yeah. One month really after, uh, you know, a huge Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. uh, two, three months after the middle part of a Halloween movie yeah. trilogy that I'm, I'm just in love with. So I, uh, uh, to borrow a phrase from my mom, my cup runneth over. Um, I guess in a way I, I am one of the toxic, I don't think I'm a toxic <laughs> fan. No, uh, no. But uh, I, I am a fan boy. I, I mm-hmm. one of my, it's like wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt on the day Spider-Man came out. Nice. One of my students was like, you look like a fanboy," And I'm like, <laughs> I am a fanboy. <laughs> if the shoe fits and this, yeah. if the shirt fits, and you know this one fits great. I nice. didn't wear my Scream T-shirt that day. Mm-hmm. It was it was not a it was not a jeans day or anything like that. Gotcha. So, and I get to wear my T-shirt, but huh. yeah, I, I just um, the buzz in the theater, the buzz in the car mm-hmm. on the way there. Um, I'm always excited to see a Halloween movie, but the, you know that's the middle one. This one, I'm so excited yeah. uh, for this movie. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Should um, we talk about it? We should, we should. And I do want to mention, like, uh, it makes me a little sad that I don't have a Scream shirt. I, I've never gotten, like, I have a ton of, I mean, I'm a 35 year old man who has like a ton of like graphic tees. I'm wearing a shirt that is uh, Deadpool making fun of Batman. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. am the knight with the ears. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I don't have a Scream shirt. I need to rectify that. I need to go on online and, and grab a Scream shirt. But yeah, let's let's talk about this. Um, yeah, so non-spoiler thoughts for Scream 22. Mike, how did you feel... How did you feel about this movie um, in non-spoilers? I I loved it. I mean, it was such a blast. And uh, the, the way I described it to people afterwards was there's a feeling I get that, that doesn't happen often. It happens with a select few movies. And I haven't done the science yet to figure out exactly which movies do it. So mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you exactly why but there is a feeling i get when i watch a scream movie any scream movie where when it's over my heart aches in a way that's kind of difficult to explain uh and articulate i, I like i just want to continue to live in that world i mean i don't want to mm-hmm. live in woodsboro because i don't want to be stabbed right but I, I want to experience more of these characters i think you know, one of the the feathers in the cap of the Scream franchise is that every movie ends, and there's no hint of a sequel. Like there's right. no, you do, they they all satisfy themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just feel, I hate to say that I want more because I I don't mean to suggest that I'm dissatisfied or unsatisfied by the end of a Scream film. Right. But I just I, I I'm I'm so in love that I like toss and turn all night wishing I could like I said yesterday while I was or on Friday while I was at work and students were asking me what I thought about the movie. And that night I was like, there is a non-zero chance that I'll go home and watch scream again tonight. The first one, nice. I want to live in the world. I just want to feel the, kind of what we talked about when we recorded uh, uh, the Patreon yeah. commentary. There's a nostalgia to it, but it's like, the nostalgia in the movie and my mm-hmm. memory of watching it, uh, it just, uh, my heart ached watching it. And when it was over, I tossed and turned all night thinking about it. It was, it was a fantastic experience. Nice. What about you? Uh, same. Like I, I feel, I feel that energy so much like that, that idea of <laughs> wanting to live in this movie or be in this movie for longer. Cause it is this, it's on one hand, it's kind of, it's comfort food. It's, it's a comfort food. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, to a lesser extent, maybe, maybe there's a level of validation that we get from these movies where it's like, we're seen as people who love movies and people who love a specific type of movie and people like this is as much a celebration of horror movies as it is about, about, you know, being a slasher. And that's something that I like, I've gotten away from being a horror movie fan, um, over the years, but it's something that like, it is very much tied to who I am as a person specifically because of scream in 96. Um, and it's something that I just feel so appreciative of the way that this, this franchise handles that level of admiration for the genre that it's in. And without necessarily being sending it up or being a parody of it, like it does poke fun at it in very fun ways, but it is very much in, in admiration of of the genre and respectful of the genre that it is 
in and has been in for now 25 years. And it's just, it's so great. And my experience seeing the movie was uh, documented on on Patreon because I got a I got a, a new lav mic for for Christmas, and uh, so I used that as a test run to basically record my thoughts on the way to the movies, and then record my thoughts on the way back, and it turned out great. And it's funny because like that section where it starts um, on the drive home is just me cackling, like <laughs> just so happy, so deliriously happy. <laughs> Because I had so much fun with this movie and it felt so much like it it's it's one thing to be it's one thing to be an entry in a franchise by the same people like Wes Craven and Kevin Kevin Williamson making each installment um, Kevin Williamson in, in varying degrees of involvement and everything. But having those movies as their own like kind of era of the scream franchise. And then going to this movie where <coughs> theoretically, like this is a movie that you and I could have made be in mm-hmm. the fact that I don't know how old radio silence is, uh, the two, the two directors, but they grew up. Yeah, with I imagine not much older than us. I don't think so either. And that, like, they, like I saw, um, some kind of press stuff with that cast saying like, yeah, um, Matt and uh, Tyler, they are like they grew up like they they're filmmakers because of Scream and now they've made Scream. And like that just it makes it as the kids say, it makes Scream 22 hit a little different um, because (laughs) it feels like the kind of movie that is from that that is through the scope of of a reverence of, of a certain level of reverence for the franchise that we share as as fans of the franchise and that makes it feel a little bit more special to me um and made made it land a lot a lot harder than almost any other sequel in the franchise i will say that yeah. i i do think that this as is well, the best but, sequel yeah. of the scream franchise <laughs> i'll I, we can we can kind of talk about that maybe yeah. later on <laughs> yeah. I, I i still i still think scream 2 does a lot of things right and it, and it's still mm-hmm. in that pocket of, of oh yeah Wes craven and kevin williamson working together and, and i know there are a few shortcomings they were kind of under the gun with a lot of things but we'll talk about mm-hmm. that later um yeah but you you are right about this one and especially i mean scream 3 is kind of universally panned but yeah. especially in compared to scream 4 and mm-hmm. and not that Wes craven was tired of it in any way yeah. But it's really a labor of love that movie as well. But yeah, man, you really cut right to the jugular. Mm-hmm. If I could, um, <laughs> in in it, it, you kind of highlighted, and and I'll kind of rephrase two things. Mm-hmm. Um, one, like I said before, that it really is through the lens of, or it holds a mirror to us, mm-hmm. and remind at least me while I'm watching. Oh, this is why I love movies, mm-hmm. like. These guys who are probably close to my age, Radio yeah. Silent, they know why I love movies. Yep. And they're making this f- for me. The other thing that they get about Scream, they get a lot of things. I mean, they oh, yeah. they understand Scream. But for me, what, what works about Scream best of all uh, is that it, it continues for five for five to mm-hmm. work as excellent satire. Yes. It, it, it it skewers the things that deserve to be skewered. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. Um, 
you know, it, it, it makes fun of things that need to be make, made fun of, but it's also scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a well-made whodunit. Uh, it's also tense, and it's also frightening. Uh, they really got that balance yep. uh, in a surprising way. Oh, yeah. And all the while, uh, <laughs> all while um, elevating the gore, in my opinion, like the kills in this are insane. Yeah, they're um, really good. Very good stuff um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um there is a part in um kind of kind of in the first act second act where um the characters are grouped together and they're it's it's the quintessential like these are the rules of of what what's going on kind of thing and they talk about this as a requel which is a basically just a legacy sequel um but they talk well no. I want to talk about that scene, that oh, you, moment for a oh, second. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can we can talk about that more in depth than spoilers. Sure. But they mention because like I had mentioned that I I wrote a wrote an essay for Midwest Film Journal all about Randy Scream Two and how, what the franchise meant to me. And like in that in that essay, I said like yes, when I was ten years old, I was obsessed with this movie, and this movie meant the world to me. And I was going to the library every day to look up information on Scream 2 because I was so excited for it. And then it finally came out and it blew my mind and everything. And then in this movie, we have a character saying like saying that the stab movies are the movies that people saw when they were 10 years old and it formed their personality and everything. And I'm like, like, I'm like gobsmacked by that in the theater. I'm like, that's me. That is literally me. Um, Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's so weird to say this, but I, I mean, we have 12 months, 12 more months to go. But man, what a way to start 2022. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. If the rest of the year is like Scream 5, mm-hmm. it'd be pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I on Letterboxd, I rated this 4.5 stars. I um, saw that. I saw yeah. that. And, and OK. So now, now that I have uh, um, extinguished, not extinguished, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, professed, you know, uh, just I gu- we gushed, right? Yes, yes, we gushed. Have you been able yet to recognize some of its shortcomings and criticisms? Because I almost like I don't, I don't want to bring the podcast oh, down. No. I don't want to poo-poo it yet. If you mm-hmm. don't want to, and I'm perfectly happy just living in in and blissful ignorance sure <laughs> but there are a few things even in my first experience of watching mm-hmm. it where i loved this movie oh yeah but i am a little surprised it's it's being it's as well received as it is being right oh, now interesting yeah. i'm a little surprised huh um that's really interesting because i like i have i had all the faith in the world that this that the word of mouth is is true and everything like i i'm not really surprised at how um how it's being um reacted to and everything but Mm -hmm. in terms of my own rating and everything like i i don't really see it as like oh i rated it 4.5 stars out of five because of one shortcoming or something. Although I will say that I was a little, I did feel like the, the kind of central friend group was like, kind of like they dropped out of the movie for the middle section and then popped up at the end. And that just felt a little bit like, like there was a moment in that first screening where I was like, we haven't really gotten to see the friends that much. Like what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it does have to contend with a lot of dangling plot threads and a lot of big moments in the, in the movie. So I don't fault it that much for that, but, um, 
but yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, so so you are surprised to see it getting so much um, acclaim. Uh, do you want to expand? Yeah, just on that? effusive praise. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's great, and and yeah. I it, it's I'm happy that it's being mm-hmm. received this well, and I, and I think there's a lot of what they did that deserves to be recognized for being received well, mm-hmm. but. Um, there are a couple of choices and then I would say a couple of performances where mm. I'm surprised there aren't more people. I don't know. You know how the internet can be, oh, right? Yeah. The internet can just be vicious. Mm-hmm. There, there's some, uh, there's some questionable CGI, I will mm-hmm. say. Um, oh, I interesting. think, I think the performance mm. from the lead early on mm-hmm. was a little more melodramatic than, than Wes Craven would have gotten. Okay, um, sure. And and that it didn't take me out of the movie, but like I noted it and then shelved it away. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I loved it. But the, but those I don't know. I think those are some major. That's... I don't want to say major. I don't know. I loved this movie, but yeah. you know me. I'm I'm just such a critic. Oh yeah, uh, about things that. Um, all, all I'm saying is I, I'm surprised that the people who are more nitpicky than me aren't nitpicking i I mean it's universal praise it's awesome oh yeah i'm surprised i i totally get that and a friend of mine mitch in the ifj who he was actually on um briefly on the on the podcast um when i talked about uh oh god what's it called um (laughs) nightmare alley but i'm trying to find his letterboxd review because he had some he had some interesting uh reactions to it he liked the movie but he also had some uh some critiques of it and i'm struggling to find it here but anyway one of his big things was that he did not he did not like the lead performance the the new final girl for the franchise um he he didn't really he couldn't connect with with her here it is okay um a really well done thing his his username on uh on letterbox by the way is wounded kite uh so um, mystery self is engaging enough. Sadly, the bi- sadly, the biggest flaw in Scream Twenty Two is the new final girl played by Melissa Barrera. Uh, simply put, she absolutely whiffs any dramatic moment the script tasks her with, and it's particularly glaring given the caliber of talent by which she's surrounded. Um, and then he goes on to talk more about that. But um, I thought she did a fine job. I thought um, there are some elements to her story that I felt were pretty pretty interesting and i maybe it might it might uh, as the movie settles with me after a few more viewings it might be to its detriment because it is decidedly unlike really anything in the scream franchise um but it's also an interesting an, an interesting angle nonetheless so yeah i don't know mm-hmm. or should i say nonetheless <laughs> Yeah, you know, I would suggest that it's not all that different from some things we've seen in this. We're kind of we're we're dancing with yeah. the devil here, yeah. the spoiler devil here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are <laughs> some choices. Again, I'm okay with these choices. Oh and, yeah, and and it, it, uh, you know, a horror who done it that has really teetered on this, uh, you know, soap opera mm-hmm. in a way. You know, if you if you dissect the first scream a whole lot it's a bit of a soap opera so um you know the main character's arc has some heavy soap opera elements yeah. and 
I I buy them. Like this is oh, me, me saying I'm I'm all in. I'm willing to take the journey. Mm-hmm. My point is, I'm surprised with what people complain about Scream Three. Mm-hmm. They didn't have similar complaints about this. That it a lot of yeah. people were just kind of agreed to take the same ride that we did, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, but to uh, uh, to to that your friend's critique, mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna come. I think he's a little harsh. Okay, all respect to him. I, mm-hmm. I, I haven't read the article. Uh, I don't think she lifts everything. I I think she gets better as it goes. I think the her the second half of the of the movie is great, but mm-hmm. when she's doing some of the soap opera, some of the melodrama, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't pitch perfect for me. Yeah, yeah, I I get that. Um, something I do, and to his point, mm-hmm. surrounded by a cast of characters who are great. Jasmine oh, Savoy Brown as Mindy Meeks Martin. Oh yeah, was fantastic. Absolutely, um, Mikey Madison kind of as just like a side friend character is like, you know, kind of does um what you want to see from side characters, right? It's like that dance of like, oh, she probably could be, but that would be weird if she was. Right. Like I Kyle Gallner obviously red herring, but Mm -hmm. you know, a a decent performance with what he with what he has to work with. I thought Jack Quaid really understood what movie he's in. I think Dylan Minnette Mm -hmm. is great in everything. Yep. Every scene he's in was fantastic. I oh yeah uh, Jenna Ortega um Mm -hmm surprisingly was fantastic oh absolutely absolutely but i don't know something about melissa barrera's performance uh, it just was not it wasn't fully cooked for me that's interesting yeah i i you know i i I don't think i had a problem with her at all but uh to each their own but i will say that um let let me let's just talk about the character of Richie played by Jack Quaid in non-spoilers because okay i i adored that character i thought he was so endearing and it's such an interesting i don't even want to say it's a riff on Randy at all because that's that's Jasmine Savoy Brown yeah but he is this other element to the meta-ness of it where we have like what I said in my review was that Scream 22 understands more than any other entry in the franchise understands that the stab franchise within the franchise is isn't meant to be or or shouldn't really be like its own beast of of uh, its own vessel for making fun of the horror genre. What it is is this um this device for exposition of the Scream franchise and the Scream story up till that point. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about what they do with Stab in this in this entry is that they use it as like, okay, well, this is this is how the characters know about the the story of Scream from 96. This is how they know like what it is. Like the the whole opening phone call where they riff on that, uh, the, like we talked about in our text oh, messages. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's great, but also we have Richie, who is someone who doesn't understand the like throughout the movies or throughout the throughout the movie. He's like, uh-huh. there's a bit where he's watching Stab on on Netflix to understand it because he is Sam's girlfriend or boyfriend who has been dragged along. Uh-huh. Um, and I just I think Jack Quaid is amazing. Um, so yeah, he's great. I I think he evokes Derek in Scream Two a lot. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think they're doing that with a little bit of the, the like charm and, and quirk of Randy. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, we both agreed. Mindy is like the Randy oh, yeah. idea there, but, um, uh, though I don't think it's so stereotypical. I don't, mm. I don't think they're, you know, it's as tropey as we're kind of making it. Uh, right. I think they shuffle a couple of personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and I love kind of the amalgam of, a, you know, a couple of different characters uh, that they, that they do for Jack. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so do you want to go into spoilers for scream 22? Yeah. Okay. Well, just spoilers already. Well, yeah, that was short because I, mean, I, I, I wanted to talk about the opening. Oh yeah. Well, to focus do... on Jenna Ortega. Oh yeah. Let's, but I was going to say it's difficult. Yeah. Like I don't think it's a spoiler <laughs> no. if we talk about this first scene. It's the plot. No. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and talk about that non spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, non spoilers. Yeah. But I I kind of want to say how that first scene ends. I don't think sure. that's a spoiler. Nah. Okay. I don't think so. So so Jenna Ortega's character Tara uh is the first ever survivor of mm-hmm. an opening scene yep. uh of a scream movie which I I I kind of predicted I remember I remember mm-hmm. talking about that with some students uh cuz you know there's some shots of her in the trailer yeah. that aren't in this house and she's clearly the you know the opening scene the right the, like the most famous of all of those kids, you know, mm-hmm. the Drew Barrymore, the Jada Pinkett kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they're clearly going to riff on that, but I have a feeling she survives. Yeah. And she does. Yeah. I think we even talked think that? about that. I think we talked about that a little bit because I think for me, I was, I was kind of curious about that myself because in the trailers, Dewey's line is that, it's happening again. There's been three attacks so far. And like the use of the word attack mm-hmm. instead of kills is was jarring to me. And so I kind of had that in the back of my head. And I I kind of I kind of love it for that. I really think that that's an interesting way to subvert expectations, but still being gruesome in its own right. Um, and goddamn, I loved, 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 loved the throughout the entire movie, really. But in that scene specifically, just the reverence that the that the movie has for that first movie it is yeah. so well done it is so done out of love like there's that one very brief moment yep. where where tara just takes the knife off the block and puts <sighs> it back just like drew barrymore did yes and it's yep, so totally. natural it's just it really uh, is it's great and uh yep. and yeah and the one of the other things i think was maybe maybe would have been a little bit better for me in the movie overall is if they had more of the phone call stuff. But that first one is really all you need. I mean, there's stuff yeah. throughout the rest of it, but like that is just, it's just such a, such a great way. And like, like I said, the whole idea of them using stab as an entry point for the, the, the story of the franchise up until this point it's just genius because they use that to remind people like, oh, this is this is what happened in Scream. Um, mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. So what did you think of the opening scene? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, kind of like the others. It, it, I don't want to say best part of the movie, but <laughs> it's it's, um, you know, they work as successful horror shorts. Yeah. But, you oh, know, yeah. a really great horror scene kind of works as a good short. Um, 
special mention to Roger Jackson doing the voice again. Yes. You know, when you watch the franchise, his voice kind of gets more sinister as it goes. Like mm-hmm. by the time he gets Scream 3, he's almost doing an impression of what you think Scream 1 sounded yeah. like. But if you go back and watch that first movie, he really, his tone is kind of calm and yeah. conversational. And he brought disarming. that back for this one. Yeah, disarming. Yep. So he brought that back to uh, speak to Tara Carpenter. And I, yep. like that to me, and maybe I, you know, I'm just kind of fanning a little bit. That to me felt like a very clear directorial choice and a yeah. nod to people who remember that like early on, he, he has this disarming voice. It also reminds me of, again, that, um, you know, Ghostface is kind of this, like, supernatural, like, superhero, like, is an idea when the person is being Ghostface. Yes. You know, the mask comes off and who the killer is. But, but it's almost like, you know, no matter how many killers are under the mask in a particular movie, they're always the same height. Mm-hmm. They kind of sound same you know like later on when they have the voice changer but the mask is off it sounds a little different I yeah just, i just love that Ghostface under the mask like doesn't exist when the mask is on there's nobody yeah. there it's just Ghostface. it's this ghost it's mm-hmm. a, i love that and, and roger jackson is that voice and mm-hmm. the way he kind of plays with his tone and inflection is so much fun yeah um then there are the specific beats where it's like referencing Scream One. Yeah. Uh, in particular, there's the quiz. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I want to play a game and asks the question about uh, stab. And so we haven't gotten to spoilers yet. And I think we're right. going to unlock spoilers here in just a second. Yeah. But I will say, I remember thinking for a split second, like, who would not get that question? Because it's a clear <laughs> reference to Pamela and Jason Voorhees in the first movie. Yeah. And then I remembered, and shout out to any of my students if you're listening. I love you all. But, <laughs> um, like, 16, 17, you know, Gen Z, they don't care about details. They yeah. don't. They don't know that Pamela is the killer in Friday the 13th Part 1. They right. don't. It's really actually spot on. Like I buy it. It, it, it was. I was like, I don't know. And I was like, no, kids don't care about that kind of stuff. They're right. just so, there's so much content that they don't stick to that. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll say about that opening scene and really the, the whole movie is you could make an argument that you just watch scream one and then skip to this one. No, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would really ask you to watch them all. I, yeah. I think they kind of build, but man, there's a lot that, that it, I mean, it's specifically a love letter to the first one. And there's oh, a yeah. lot that's t- to varying degrees overlooked, not important and straight up erasure. Yeah. Just <laughs> that didn't happen, yep. which is interesting, uh, <laughs> but we'll talk about that. So, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I agree. It, it is one of the more, it's it's such a good opening sequence it's so good and we'll talk in more depth in spoilers but i do want to say just the ah just the brutality of ghostface in this movie is so cool yeah, um, it's awesome so so freaking cool um so do you want to go into spoilers or do you want to give like overall thoughts before going into spoilers? yeah let's do it i, I think you know our overall thoughts let's okay let's spoiler it up all right, we're going to go into spoilers for Scream 22. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. So if you haven't watched it, make sure not 
to listen. <laughs> but we're going to be spoiling Scream uh, 22 after this brief excursion into the trailer for the movie. Whatever his link is to our past, it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. All right, so spoilers on for Scream 22. And Mike, I intentionally put a part of the clip from the trailer that has the it's an honor line. Yeah. <laughs> because that scene, oh, um, I don't know if you want to jump around to that or how you want to handle it. Where do you want to start with spoilers for Scream 22? Let's, let's save it. Let's let's okay. kind of keep going with this opening scene. Okay, yeah. I think because I do think there's a lot to say about that. Also, mm-hmm. funny in the trailer that Ghostface is not talking to Sid right. at that moment, which is just another don't trust trailers. That's, yep. They don't. That's not real. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Tara Carpenter survives mm-hmm. that attack, the first ever attack, uh, and then cut to uh, her older sister is in Modesta, California. Is yep. that right? Yeah. Uh, working at a bowling alley with her boyfriend Jack, uh, and they are told <laughs> her boyfriend Richie, her boyfriend Richie, played yeah. by Jack Quaid. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> uh, called by uh, Wes Hicks. Mm-hmm. Wes has to be named for Wes Craven. Oh, one hundred percent. And then later, yeah. later in the movie, when they're having the memorial party, it says for Wes. Just yeah, mm, right. Love yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, who is the son of? I guess fan favorite deputy I, Hicks. I didn't. I she people were like excited that she's back. Okay, I guess sure. like I when <laughs> in the in my second viewing of of the movie, I saw I saw it the second time in the theater with my girlfriend, and when when Sheriff Judy gets killed. Like, uh, I looked over to Jess for her reaction. She was like, yeah, not, not, not terrible. <laughs> like, that's not, a, that's not horrible. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no she wasn't a loss. fan of Deputy Judy in Scream 4. Um, but yeah, 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 anyway. So, yeah. So they, um, so Tara is attacked. She is up in the hospital. Wes says, hey, Sam, uh, uh, Tara was attacked last night. Uh stabbed several times you need to come and see her so they come and it's uh sam and richie meet uh tara and her group of friends so that's when we kind of meet our our principals yeah Uh, a few of them they kind of save like the sitting out by the water uh spring the waterfall yeah you know the water fountain uh, thing or the, the water fountain yeah. yeah they save that for a couple scenes but yeah this is where we meet amber yeah and i think i think Liv and mindy and chad are they all there yeah they're all the there it's yeah. yeah and i think that's all yeah and wes of course and and tara obviously um yeah yeah so we meet we meet pretty much all of them there and it's it's kind of a rapid fire kind of thing that that's one thing that kind of feels a little bit like we have to play catch up a little bit later when they're all talking and everything, but mm-hmm. uh, but they're, they're it's a it's a pretty well stacked cast of characters. I think um, they're all it pretty. Is, interesting. And I don't and I can't remember 
like I wish I could watch the first screen for the first time and yeah. remember <laughs> like when you meet all the characters how like you don't remember remember them no. instantaneously right yeah. like by the we, time I saw Scream I knew who most of those people right. were I knew who Matthew Lillard was yeah you know we don't um, we don't meet all of them together until the fountain scene um because we see we meet right. Tatum when Sid is coming up to the to the to the school and then uh well obviously billy when he's in the bedroom with her but i think the fountain scene is the first time we really see Stu and um randy Randy. yeah Um, i guess you're right i guess they've introduced a few of them beforehand yeah what i I just i guess what i mean is like you meet wes at the hospital and Mm -hmm. i want to say it (laughs) i kind of guessed that it was him but it wasn't until they're (laughs) out by the school that i was like oh He's the one who called Sam. Oh yeah, to come home. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really think that it could have been him. Um, although I do love, and we're jumping around a little. Oh, bit, I just but, mean that he was oh. the one on the like. Oh, because he her home. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's it, interesting. I, like when she's saying, you know, when she's talking to somebody on the phone. Sam mm-hmm. is talking to somebody on the phone, and they're like, "You need to come home. Tara has been stabbed." I didn't put it together that the person on the phone telling her to come home was him was Wes until like the second time you meet him. I'm like, Oh, okay. he told her to come home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got you now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I do love the way that the movie has like, for as much as I, as I like my pretty much my sole criticism of the movie is that the teens kind of disappear after the house scene, the suspect scene or whatever. And then they've, all meet up again in Stu's house but mm-hmm. um but for for that criticism we do get a lot of context for them because we get them we get them shooting pole and like we get like we get the little individual things for each one like Chad and Liv are a couple that haven't had sex yet and uh what was what was Kyle Gallner's character's name Vince mm-hmm. um he like he is kind of stalking Liv as a red herring and everything then we have uh Wes having a crush on Tara and we have Mindy being Mindy I guess I don't know <laughs> um, uh, uh-huh. yeah. yeah so so we do get some good some good insight into into the characters I guess um yeah yeah what did you think of this this crop of as I as I called it in my review crop of knife fodder <laughs> that's funny <laughs> they're good i i tried to i can't wait to see it again i, mm-hmm. I have only seen it the one time and i yeah. have a feeling i have more of an affinity for these characters the second time mm-hmm. i've seen it but instead of thinking about like what it was like to watch the first scream and realize mm-hmm. those characters i tried to remember what it was like in 2011 meeting that group of characters oh, yeah. for the first time and i will say that that hmm. group in 2011 Scream 4 had a bit of an edge because I had a familiarity with them. Like, I knew who Emma Roberts was. Oh, yeah. Hayden Panettiere was kind of famous at oh, that yeah. point. Um, I like Rory Culkin, mm-hmm. it, it, it not, it isn't super famous, but he's right. at least recognizable as a Culkin. So I remember thinking, like, I'm already vaguely familiar with some of these. So I didn't have to do a whole lot of catching up. These Mm -hmm. are mostly nobodies. I mean, I think Wes, Dylan Minnette was in 13 reasons why he was in a couple of things. I mean, people kind of know who Jenna Ortega is. Yeah. I don't really, but that's the thing. I don't know Jenna Ortega at all. I, and I know the guy who played Chad from Booksmart. Um, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
And I think Kyle Gallner was in the remake of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, he was also in uh, uh, some late episodes of The Shield. Um, Mm, He was fantastic in it. Yeah. Um, And Melissa Barrera uh, was in in The Heights. Yeah. Yep. Last year. Um, But yeah, but I really liked the energy of, of of the characters and everything. And it was interesting. And I don't know how much of this is just uh pr or you know um uh what's the word i'm looking for not marketing but like um uh promotion stuff or anything but like i saw like imdb posted like a video of a bunch of the cast talking and everything and um i like dylan minette was talking about how like you know making this movie it's obviously that it's obvious that that the directors are huge fans of the franchise and we all love the franchise as well and even the fact of of like working through covid like we're all in these like we're all grouped together and like we literally can only talk to each other and everything so we all grew as like a family on the set and everything and i don't know how much of that is like oh just you know we got to sell this movie but i kind of get that like there's some good chemistry among the cast in this and to be honest, I'm kind of really happy, to, happy and fearful, I guess, uh, to know that there's there's kind of a respectful, respectable amount of them that can be carried over to the next installment. Um, yeah. Really, yeah. just Mindy and Chad. But, yeah. Um, but I would. Well, Chad. Died. No, no, he didn't. Chad. Yeah. He uh, he's in the he's in the ambulance when when Mindy is being taken into her ambulance. She sees Chad in the back of the ambulance and she gives him a thumbs up. Really? Yeah. Oh, I missed that completely. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And I didn't I, I caught that the first time. And then the second time I didn't realize that that it's such a nice like callback to a scene later when when he kind of blows it with Liv uh, and she just mm-hmm. like gives him a thumbs up like, good job, bro. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome. Well, I yeah. missed that completely. Yeah. Um, so they go to find Dewey. How did you feel seeing Dewey? How how did it feel to like see David Arquette on screen as Dewey again? And then how did you feel about the state of Dewey? Yes. Okay. So, uh, and, and I feel like we should have backtracked and done the Billy thing, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) cause now I'm trying to think, but I will say the Billy thing before that. Yeah. Because remember, uh, uh sarah says like uh give me one good reason like she he says like give me a reason to talk to you or whatever i'm billy loomis's daughter let's let's backtrack okay okay we get our first kill of the movie kyle gallner they're at the bar we we can't we meet the kids Mm -hmm. a little bit more a little bit more interaction um and then kyle gallner vince goes outside and in one of the probably my favorite kill actually oh really interesting yeah the look on ghost face like when I, I say he, I'll just say yeah. he, Ghostface, sure. kind of like cocks his head a little bit behind yeah. him and then just boop, like yep. stabs him real quick in the the ear, it's the throat, so the neck. I don't even know. Just yeah. like a... Yep. And then like lets him fall and then you get the, the, the hero shot mm-hmm. and, and the pose and the, above the... Yeah. How did you feel about that in relation to... Um, in in relation to the trailer shot that isn't in the movie where where it has his shadow projected the on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um the shadow shot is kind of cooler. But, yeah, I think so too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It it is what it is. I, yeah. I think, you know, we get Ghostface doing two hands above the head is kind of an iconic shot as yeah. it is. So I think that's what they were focusing on. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like they were counting the minutes that you see Ghostface on the mm-hmm. screen and they were like, I think we need 
another four oh, seconds yeah. of good. You know what I mean? It, it, probably. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea, but but it, it is scene. a cool shot with <laughs> the backdrop of the headlights lighting him up. That that was really cool. for sure. Yeah. Yes. Also, yeah. the yeah. use of red right hand in that moment was just so great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. laughed. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. awesome. But yep. the attack in the hospital in the reveal. Okay, so we have our first. Yeah, our first yeah. real spoiler now. Yes, and I will say this. So, in the theater that first time, I had my earbuds in. I was listening to podcasts all the while and everything, because even when I was in my seat, I was like, I do not want to overhear anything. Like, I don't want to hear any conversations or anything. I just want to be as clean as I can. And I took out my he- my headphones um, like maybe a minute before they started the pre-roll stuff. And I overheard someone in the row, like in front of me, I just heard someone say something about Skeet Ulrich and how it's probably going to be a flashback. And I'm like, Oh, oh no. So he's oh, in the no. movie. <laughs> like, I had what? no idea he was in it. I, yeah. I it's, had no idea until me. that moment. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I, I think I audibly gas. Nice. Oh. how did you feel about that and the fact that sarah is the illegitimate child of billy loomis or sam sam i'm sorry i think i said sarah Mm -hmm. earlier also um which also i think that that's kind of cool too that she's a loomis and it's sam loomis and that's Uh the name from psycho yeah Yeah. i was gonna say the same thing i love the name from psycho and also from halloween yes dr sam is he dr sam i just did that again god damn it (laughs) It's the second time. <laughs> I did that in the commentary. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Oh. So Sam Loomis is obviously from Psycho and then also uh, Michael's Doctor in that right. movie directed by John Carpenter. Right. Sam Carpenter. It's a lot, but these movies can also kind of be a lot. Yeah. Um, so I will say it, it took me a second. I, I had to kind of go through the filter of, oh, that's a little cheesy that's a little on the nose mm-hmm. but i'm gonna let it happen i i kind of love it I, yeah I, i'll i'll take that why not like uh, for for a second i was like oh that's kind of unfair that they're like billy like you know had an illegitimate child and so he was just going around knocking people up but it was like <laughs> oh yeah he's also a psychopath right <laughs> And he was <laughs> who, a like, sex crazy like mentally abused and tortured his girlfriend before trying to kill her on the anniversary of the death of the mother that he also killed. Right. Yeah, okay. He's probably a bad dude. Yeah, yeah. How dare they tarnish the, the good name How of dare Billy they? Loomis? Yeah. <laughs> uh I will say though, if if there is a weakest link in the movie, it is mm-hmm. that it's the Skeet Rich CGI. Yeah. That it was it, not good. Yeah. It kind I couldn't tell if was it because they were trying to de-age him or something or yes. yeah. yeah i i think it was it was skeet ulrich now mm-hmm. doing the performance oh, and yeah. they de-aged him but it looked it looked like a cgi and a green screen it, it, was it really did it was it, rough. it was it was and in non-spoilers, I mentioned how that was kind of incongruous with the rest of the franchise. Like, it's something that the franchise has never really done before. But even yeah. then, like, I don't know if this is what you were kind of hinting at, but they kind of did with Scream 3 with, uh, like, Sydney's dream sequence with her mother coming up uh, right. in front of the window. Yes. Um, and even, like, just the the memory, like, the audio playing in the, in the, uh, the Woodsboro set um, in Scream 3. So mm-hmm. there's precedent for that, but I 
I thought it was an interesting way to tie the movie to to the original in a way that isn't contingent on Sydney and Gale and Dewey. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Even the fourth one, it kind of came back around to to Sydney. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and this one kind of doesn't really. No. It's, in fact, it is the one movie in the franchise where the motives of the killers has nothing to do with anything personal. Like, it's nothing personal in any in any case. It is strictly... Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And, like, I was kind of... Motive, it's the millennium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> motives are incidental. Um, <laughs> and born out of Reddit. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and we'll yeah, talk about I, that later, you know, but it, yeah. That, that, that scene, that bit, really, that whole plot point, it's not movie-breaking for me. No. But I will say, if, if I left the theater wondering how other people are going to feel about this movie, mm-hmm. it's the Billy stuff where I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if people don't like that. Yeah. So that really is why when I say that all the effusive praise surprises mm-hmm. me a little bit. Yeah. Is, you know, fandom is a lot angrier about far less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I even remember in like 2011 uh people were kind of griping about like oh so so sid's mother had a had a sister that we had no idea about or anything like well yeah we don't exactly yeah there's not for the record screen four is great oh absolutely it holds up incredibly well yeah um my affinity for it really is great oh yeah um me too and like and that's such a lazy kind of criticism too like yeah like we're not gonna go through like uh, uh, that's superfluous information. That's like, it's like in scream two, it's not going to be like, Oh, well, you know, the killings are started now. I better see what my aunt's doing or something. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not information that's needed until the fourth movie. But Mm -hmm. here, something I thought was really interesting about the Billy aspect of it is that it isn't played up as much of a mystery. It really a mystery at all, really, because she kind of comes clean to her, the entire friend group. Like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm Billy's daughter. So that's why this is happening. I don't know why, but that's, that's why Tara was attacked and why I was brought back. Yep. And Um, so we're, we're jumping around a little bit, but yeah, that, yeah. the scene where she reveals to Tara mm-hmm. all of that stuff, that was her weakest scene. Oh, that, yeah. When she does that, and I went out and I tried any drug that I could get. Oh, hand. yeah. I was like, ugh, that's a little. That is that is a bit melodrama there. It yeah. was very melodramatic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We're just being critics here. That was, yeah. that was, that was a weakness for me. Yeah, I can see that. It didn't bother me that much, but I... I I can understand that for sure. Um, I kept wondering, and that's another aspect of it too. And then we'll get to the Dewey stuff, but um, that's another aspect of it that I found kind of interesting is that it like their, their mother is like out of town in London and like, there's nothing else about the mother at all. Like I kept thinking like, is there like, is that going to be like a reveal of like a character from the first or something like something? Yeah. But it's not. And I feel like that in and of itself and this might be a big stretch is kind of a kind of a um a nod to like Wes Craven and like Nightmare on Elm Street where like the that era of horror movies where the adults aren't a factor in it it's just the teens um yeah yeah, yeah for sure um, um yeah. oh what was i going to say oh was there any part of you that felt like sam was the killer no. And how, how long did you entertain that? At I all, I honestly all? did not entertain it at all simply because 
of the Skeet Ulrich of it all. Because I feel like okay. if it was her, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't they wouldn't have gone to that length to have that be part of her story. Like it would have been more of a reveal for the end of the movie. Um or midway point through the movie. I see. Um so yeah, how about you? I thought it for a second. Um it, nice. it faded after a while, but there was the scene you know, I, I didn't think about it until uh the scene in the hospital where Ghostface attacks her oh, yeah. in, in like the rec room or the or the mm-hmm. like snack room or whatever. Yeah. And Jake turned to me and he's like, Do you think that that's like her? And mm. like she's and I was like, I hadn't considered that, but <laughs> possibly. Yeah. I kind of wondered if for, for a moment, I wondered if that was a real attack or if she was having like a, a mental break or something. Well, that's kind of what's tough about that scene. I, I, yeah. I, there, there is, um, there's a surrealness to it. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the way it's shot. I don't yeah. remember particularly, but you know, she, she has a vision of her dad. Yeah. And then there's a scene, you know what? I'm, I would be okay if it's a, it, she has a vision or a moment or an mm-hmm. episode because <laughs> one of Jake's criticisms after the movie was like, nobody saw Ghostface walk in <laughs> to that hospital. There's cameras there. That's dumb. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, also- I'm willing- to buy it i mean yeah. that's not that one didn't bother me too much but no that would satisfy him at least yeah but also ghostface historically in the franchise is and that's something that i kind of felt like re-watching the movies over the last couple of months um i kind of I, it's kind of cheesy the way that it's like oh ghostface is like uh, turn away and it's like the batman moment where he like turns away and then you look over at him and he's gone and it's like oh he's vanished but it's like no, he's a mortal person. Like he run outside yeah. the door and see where he's running. <laughs> like Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um yeah. but oh, wow. I do feel like there was a little bit of a misstep with the reveal of the Billy aspect of it because I think that it would have been more interesting if she had revealed to Tara that she was the daughter of Billy Loomis before having the vision. Cause I think that that would have played a little bit better. Um interesting. Yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. A, a minor nitpick but um shall we talk about dewey <laughs> so they go meet dewey yes. how did you feel about seeing david arquette as dewey again mm-hmm. uh, and then how did you feel you know there was an interesting feeling for me watching mm-hmm. it and, and then i'll let you answer my question sure sure go ahead <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hadn't seen Scream 4 in a year or two, mm-hmm. and we just watched Scream 1. So there was a bit yeah. of, like, you know, reverence for the original, mm-hmm. where it felt like, oh, my gosh, it's been 25 years. When it's really only been 11 years. Right. Lot, like, we kind of know where Dewey's been. So anyway, yeah. how did you feel seeing him? And then what about his current situation? I will say this and this is getting ahead of it and everything, I do think that this is David Arquette's best performance as Dewey Riley. Um, I think he is just phenomenal in it. Um, I had suspected that they were going to have, like, Gail and Dewey broken up, if only because um, I feel like it would have imitated uh, real life that uh, they were divorced and everything. Um, But also, I kind of just got that vibe from the trailer anyway. Um, but it's, and I just, this is, this is so like mean and it's not me, but like my, uh, one of my, one of my friends from the IFGA, Richard, he had posted, um, 
his his review of Scream 4 from I think back when it came out and like I read part of it and like he he thought that he thought that David Arquette was terrible in Scream 4 which I I disagree with but teach their own yeah but he said something to the effect of uh no wonder Courtney Cox and him split up because I would have left him too if I if I saw him in this movie or something. Oh dang! <laughs> brutal. It's, just, it's very brutal. But I just wanted to just mention that because it made me it made me laugh. But anyway, um, his situation in this first of all love I I love those little subtle things where like he has the I don't know if it's an urn or just a plaque or something that just says Tatum. Yeah, Such a like nice touch. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And. I, I think that I, I really loved this kind of gruff, kind of like down on his luck kind of guy. He's he's you know, he's been he's been through a lot and then he lost his wife or or his 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 uh, he got divorced and now he's living on his own and he's pining after his ex-wife while drinking in the morning and everything. It's very it's kind of cliched. And I, and I love that. I love that Richie says that he's like dime store Sam uh uh oh god Sam uh what is his name? Um Sam Elliott. Oh Sam Elliott, yeah. yeah. Like I thought that was that was just great. Yeah. But um but I love it because he's not like this dark persona or anything. He is he has his darkness and everything, but then the movie infuses him with that classic dewiness where like he's where he's making the call he makes the call to sid and tells her about it and like he's making these phone calls specifically to tell them to stay out of woodsboro and i love that for him because Uh he's he's the protector he's he's like the um like randy says in scream 2 the uh, or no sid says this in scream 2 uh uh our surrogate big brother um that's the role Uh that he has he's the protector of the legacy characters and then like amidst all this darkness and everything he texts he texts gail and then yeah he, that was so sweet it was so yeah. sweet the smiley face thing that that yep. just that that i i love that it's just yeah. it's so it's so great oh. um yeah oh it makes me sad yeah. if there was uh, you know i was uh i could have taken bets that one of the legacy characters was gonna oh, die yeah. coming into this one you, yeah you know you and i have said one of them had to die oh yeah um, I, I even said if, uh, in my Patreon, sorry, sorry. I even said in my Patreon recording on the way to the theater, <laughs> I said two things. I said, uh, like, oh yeah, my expectations for Scream 22, I think it's going to be great and everything. I think the, uh, I think one of the legacy cal- cal- characters are definitely going to die. It's definitely going to be Dewey. And, uh, <laughs> For some reason, I don't know what his character is, but I kind of have a feeling Jack Quaid might be a killer. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Good yeah. idea. But, well, but I yeah. wasn't sure if it was going to be Dewey beforehand, but mm-hmm. uh, after the after we meet him again for the first time, yeah. uh, it was it was pretty much a slam dunk at oh, that yeah. point. Yeah. But in a good, again, it's a hard thing to explain to young people. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry that a lot of my critiques come through the filter of like educating 15 and 16 year olds. Oh, but no, it's great. It's, it's just my worldview mm-hmm. to like, to explain that like him dying is sad and heartbreaking and mm-hmm. I hate it, but it's such good story making. Yeah. Right. You, it has to, and it just, it feels good. Mm-hmm because it feels so bad you know yeah. what i mean like it, it oh, hurts yeah. so good yeah. does that make sense oh absolutely and it's so interesting because 
I had not necessarily I I was I was heartbroken by his death, but it was a different kind of heartbreak. It was it was something very interesting and it's something I applaud the movie for because it's it's the biggest it's the biggest character death since Randy and Scream 2. Like sure. obviously. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. Um but that I wrote a whole essay about the Randy death in Scream 2 and how that just profoundly de- devastated me and everything. I wasn't devastated by Dewey's death in this movie. Yeah, me neither. Okay, interesting. It, but- interesting. Yeah, well, just because I think that there's something narratively satisfying mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, it's a hero's death. It's, it's a, a hero's, hero's death. death. Uh, right. He, yeah, he had my like, heart breaks. My heart breaks oh, yeah. for this character that I've loved oh, for yeah. twenty years. Right. Mm-hmm. That was upsetting. And, oh yeah. You know any anybody who dies that you like in a movie, it's upsetting, and yeah. it's Dewey, and oh, he's. But the hero's death and and yeah. the and the narrative arc of it is mm-hmm. like. You know, he is the protector of Sid and Gale and the protector of Woodsboro Mm -hmm. in a way. It it kind of makes you then ask, like, what's next for Woodsboro if Dewey's not there? Yeah. And also the fact that his whole like his his arc through the movie, as it's revealed in his scene with Gale, is that he left he left in the night. He he left the marriage. He 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 thinks of himself as a coward. And she's reassuring him, saying, like, you're not a coward. You're just not built for New York or anything. Right. And so, like, this is his Because he belongs in Woodsboro. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is him proving he's not a coward. He's not gonna run away from an from like a killer that is not fully incapacitated because he remembers um <laughs> he remembers the line you from shoot him in the head. Yeah. Three. You have to shoot him in the head. Um, and just like, I, I love it. And it's, it's just, it's mean, it's mean and tragic, but kind of fitting that Gail's phone call interrupts it. And that's what gets him, um, gets the killer, the upper hand. Um, yeah. One thing that I, this is nitpicking and everything, and we're probably jumping around a bit, but the, the actual, that that's another reason why I wasn't devastated by the death because, um, unlike Randy, it's not a shock death in the same sense. Cause it is, it's pretty clear something like he's not going to make it at that point. Yeah. Oh, he put them in the elevator and that's yeah. it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but also it is just such a cool freaking death, man. <laughs> it is so yeah. awesome. The two knives lifting yep. him, like gutting him. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's old- good. Isn't it weird that you, yeah. that's, you kind of want that you yeah. kind of want like a really vicious death. For exactly. A love. It's just, it is so, it, it is, it is what scream does best. It makes this, it makes you cringe through the horror and, and laugh through the horror as well. Yeah. Um, it's just so, so satisfying. The one nitpick I have for that is cause obviously that's Amber killing him. Right. And I'm like, does a teenage girl really have the strength to lift up a grown well, man? Again, I, yeah, really? that's not a nitpick for me okay. for some reason. Oh, and, it doesn't, and it I, doesn't detract from it at all. No, there, there's something for me that happens. And, and I don't remember if like Nev Campbell or Courtney Cox or somebody said this in an interview, but it's really a position I've held since I can remember. Mm-hmm. I'm not, claiming that something supernatural happens it, okay. it is her under the mask but yeah in watching this 
I don't know this 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 fantasy of a movie. I mean, it's it's a movie. It's a it's a yeah. pretend. It's a show. Mm-hmm. There's something about it. It be, it becomes it becomes supernatural when mm-hmm. they put the costume on, right? Whoever is under there for a moment while we're watching the movie is just gone, and yeah. it's just Ghostface and Ghostface is a little supernatural right like yeah. ghostface rarely dies with the mask on in fact yeah i don't think any ghostface ever dies with the mask on no right none. so if we want to get really um you know critical theory about it it's mm-hmm. only when they take the mask off do they become human because the mask on is a ghost is this yeah. uh, haunting of these people so there, there's something i'm really okay with to a certain extent sure what they allow Ghostface to do outside the bounds of what this, you know, 120 pound girl can do right. <laughs> in this costume. It's, you know, mm-hmm. that Ghostface is like six feet tall. Yeah. And, you know, that's not, but I just buy it. I, I'm just in yeah. the fantasy. Um, so I, I'm okay yeah. with it. I, I agree. That that does make sense. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um and I mean, maybe I'm cheating. Yeah. Maybe that's a cheat, but I, I'm I'm offering. <laughs> I'm I'm giving it to them. Speaking of the deaths, mm-hmm. when Wes dies and yes. he gets the 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 Just... knife through the th- jugular <laughs> and then out the side of the throat that stays there as the blood is like spurting on Insane. Ghostface. Insane. Yeah. I I love it so much. And and that was a good real one. quick to back to the Dewey death. Just real quick, I loved loved that that's where the it's an honor line is like me too oh that just that yeah that just that yeah i like it better than for sydney yeah oh me too oh wholeheartedly there's this there's a sydney she's something else in this movie Mm -hmm. she's She's not they said they saw what four was and they're like we're not mm -hmm. gonna make that like yeah sydney gives gail the gun at the end yeah it's an honor is for dewey (laughs) i I mean not to say that they're you know they're overlooking sid at any point that she doesn't get her moments either but there's i don't know i don't know it it was a different perspective on sydney this time around she wasn't afraid it wasn't like Mm -hmm. how am i gonna do this again she's like she's just like yeah that's what we do exactly and i and i love that for as as underused as she is kind of um, yeah. I, I respect it. I think that it's the right thing to do. And that's one of the reasons why I am so glad with the motive of the killers that it's, it has nothing to do with Sydney, like at all. Right. Yeah. Um, because that, I mean, five entries in a franchise all about Sydney Prescott and like, like her story is done. Her story is over. And I like her as the person who is guiding the new final girl, uh, yeah. that passing of the torch kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally. Yeah, um, literally. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so great. Yeah. But um, but yeah, back to the West death, um, that sequence, like we talk, we, we will talk about the erasure of Scream 3. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. But I love that the setup of the death for Wes and Sheriff Judy is... Like it is like like we've talked about, and the movie even says it's it's a reference to 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 Psycho for sure because it's a shower scene. Oh yeah, it cuts yeah. to the shower coming. Oh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. and I mean, Ghostface even says like, says it, "Have yeah. you seen Psycho?" Um, but for me, that whole sequence is an homage to the opening of Scream Three with uh with Cotton going back to going home and getting to Christine. 
who's in the shower and to save her and everything. Like, and I'm mercifully, I'm just, there's no Creed playing no, in the background. Exactly. On the stereo, oh yeah. Though. Oh yeah. <laughs> I really hope someone makes like a fan edit or something. Yeah. <laughs> they have Do to. it. Yes. Do it. Yes. Um, what if? What if? <laughs> As he's getting ready, plating out for the sushi. Yes. <laughs> With arms wide open. As he's, as he's putting the plate, because that is, that's great. I love yeah. that. I love that so much. But, um... Also, the little nod to Scream 4 with the note about the lemon squares. That's kind of cute. Yeah. Um, on the fridge. But, man, that, that kill was amazing. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, thought that whole set piece was really great. Oh the, yeah, they 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 hammered on the you open a door and nobody's mm-hmm. there trope a couple times. Yeah, and, uh, you know I'll kind of give it that because they're they're playing in in yeah. this slasher zone, so mm-hmm. it's fine. But uh, what I like about it is like the the mundane activities he's yeah. doing. Oh right? yeah, he's not he kind of gets over being scared. It's not mm-hmm. like Gale in the sound studio in part two. Yeah. You know, it's not cotton at the beginning of part three. It's right. this kid like getting ready for dinner. I'm yeah. gonna pour a glass of water. I'm gonna mm-hmm. get the plates ready. Yeah. You know, I thought I thought that juxtaposition of like normal mm-hmm. suburbia uh and then the obviously extreme violence. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. That's good. And <laughs> if memory serves, I mean, it's Sheriff Judy is like the only death since Randy in Scream 2 that takes place in broad daylight. I think. Oh, um, gosh. Because I can't remember. Yeah, at least at like outdoors in sunlight. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, kind of interesting, but um, but yeah, somebody did... right now is screaming so yeah. and so and scream four. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what about yeah, so and so and scream four? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, what did you think of of Marley Shelton in this movie and the return of uh, Sheriff Judy, nay Deputy Judy? Yeah, she's fine. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Yeah, the movie had more it had more. The, this movie knew what to do with that character. <laughs> um, Scream yeah. 4, she was way too... Like, that was the most on-the-nose, red herring kind of thing. And it just... Totally. It was so weird. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did we kind of skip over... Before before we kind of get to the climax, did mm-hmm. we skip over... I know that we skipped over Martha Meeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Mindy and Chad's mom and that whole scene. Yeah. Do we want to talk about that at all? We, we do should. need to talk about that. Um <laughs> I love I love the little shrine to Randy. I thought that that was just beautiful. Um, yeah. Yep, yep. And cool that they got Heather Matarazzo like to do that. Yeah. To, to oh yeah. Actually be in it and not just uh, you know I don't know. Yeah. Um, such a small thing mm-hmm. in Scream Three, but that's yeah. cool. The thing I love about Mindy is that she's cool. She's yeah. not this like geek who knows all this stuff yeah i, I guess in a way she's kind of like a, another updated version of kirby mm-hmm. uh from yeah. scream four who is kind of a similar you know randy type role <laughs> who as per this movie is canon to be a survivor still alive <laughs> i love that so much yeah i listened so to an interview uh on the horror queers podcast 
and they had Kevin Williamson. I haven't on listened top. to that yet, but I read like the the breakdown. Yeah, yeah, of the, yeah. yeah. So to talk about his now uh, meaningless <laughs> plans mm-hmm. for screen five and six. Um, uh, Kirby was dead to him. Okay, interesting. <laughs> he, he, uh, Kirby was dead in his eyes. So, uh, yeah. So when Richie is like watching uh, Dead Meat, shout out to Dead Meat podcast, which is oh. uh, uh, and oh, YouTube is that channel. That he was watching. Yeah, okay. which is my favorite YouTube channel. I thought that was wow. so cool that he was nice. watching that. That that's got to be such a cool thing. That's uh, awesome. Uh, one, you know, one of the thumbnails on the side says, uh, "We talk with uh, Survivor." Yep. Kirby Reed, which is that's really cool. So awesome. And then a couple so of the, co- sorry, a couple of a couple of spaces down it says uh episode 118 is the real Stu Mocker still alive? Yes. <laughs> or something, yes. Which, is, which I don't think that they're like they're not suggesting Stu's oh, no, alive, no, 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 but no, no, they're no. definitely playing just, with Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Matthew Lillard has been on a tear lately. Yep. You know, just saying that Stu is probably alive, which I I don't think in any universe Stu no. is alive. No, but I, I love the idea of them playing with that. Yeah, me too. But anyway, so, so the scene. how much did you love the scene of them at the Meeks residence? Oh my! It was maybe one of the standout scenes of the whole movie for me. Yeah, um, I agree. It was so like it was for us. It was it was tailor made for us while also being very much. It's it's the it's the meta scene. And mm-hmm. it is tailor made for us because of you know everything that we've gone yeah. through the last twenty five years and how Scream has shaped us. Yeah. Um, but it also is, I mean, it's it's a great back and forth. And like one of the lines that I love, and like okay, so I missed the line where they say that Vince is Stu's nephew. Oh, did you miss that me too? Me too. Okay. Yeah, entirely. I missed, yeah, I missed that both times become because it comes directly after that amazing back and forth between Wes and Dewey, where Wes says that you're you're yeah. divorced uh, and still pining after your ex wife, and you're uh, at the bottom of a bottle and everything. And then Dewey, <laughs> I love Dewey so much. He says, "Well, maybe you're the killer because that cuts deep." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the theater both, went off for yeah. that one, and like That's immediately. Immediately after that, I think like Amber or Liv says like, oh, and Vince was uh, Vince's mother is um, Melissa or Miranda Mocker. Mocker. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I remember hearing something stew something, but like moving on to the next line and like. I think I turned it. I was like, did they, did they say stew? What about yeah. stew? Oh yeah. I, nobody, nobody knew. So mm. interesting. That's yeah. an interesting catch. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess it's a, I don't know. It's a brag, I guess, but sure. It, 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 there's not really anything to brag about it. I guess it's a, <laughs> I'm going to reveal my ego here. Okay. So when Mindy gets to the front of the room and is talking to them and talks about like the difference between requels and legacy sequels and mm-hmm. legacy sequels, there was a brief moment. There was a brief moment where I was like, oh my God, are they going to reference my article on Bloody Disgusting? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But like, I turned to Jake and Jake was like, oh, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, am I crazy here? Or are they like, like I wanted her to say, you know, the jury, the jury is out, but they, mm-hmm. you know, some people refer to it as a legacy sequel because, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, 
I, I am not, I did not coin the phrase, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, you know, I published that article <laughs> on bloody disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I, and when I said that to Jake, he, like he and I in the car were like, we blew up. He was like, dude, I thought they were going to, I was like, that'd be crazy. <laughs> How insane would that have been? Like, oh my, I would have stood up in the theater. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And, and, and the reason <laughs> I say that, I mean, I know that is far out. That right. is far out. I, I get that. But, like the fact that there was the dead meat mm-hmm. reference, yeah. Like they these people are all over bloody disgusting mm-hmm. exclusives, right? So yeah, I, there was part of me that, and still, again, I'm being a little egotistical here, but you know. like, I wonder if they read my article. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 100 not outside the realm of possibility. Honestly, I would say I would be shocked if. Like if if radio silence didn't read it, um, right. honestly, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That was a cool like, like for a minute. My heart was beating. I was like, "That's awesome." What they, what they call these types of movies? <laughs> I know something about that. <laughs> I wrote an article one time. Uh, <laughs> I've got to say that's adorable, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I Thanks. love it so much. Um, I'm gonna have a big ass grin on my face when I see <laughs> see it again tomorrow. Yeah. Me too, man. Um, so that great. scene is fantastic. Absolutely. It, it's, there's not a whole lot we can say about right. it that that you know you kind of don't already expect from it. I, yeah. I love the little details. Like there's the stab Blu-ray box set yeah. up in the corner, which I thought was kind of cool. Yep. Um, just a little nod. So, all right, well, kind of hit the fast forward button again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um, talk about the climax of the movie, yeah. right? Other, are there any other kills or anything we need to talk about? Not really, because it, it's all going toward the Stu's house. Yeah, um, so they're going toward yeah. Stu's house. So a couple things. Um, we they they end the hospital. Uh, you know, Sam and Sydney kind of have a bit of a confrontation, and Sam's mm-hmm. like, "Just leave and whatever." You know, it's a meeting of the final girls, and they yeah. go their separate ways, and Sid and Gail, of course, are like. Yeah, we're going. We're going to follow him. Right. So they're in the car, and there's there, there's a conversation, and you and I spoke about this uh, uh, right after the movie, mm-hmm. where Sydney and Gail are are like reflecting on yes. what's happened the last twenty five years, mm-hmm. and Gail says something to the effect of like, "None of this would have happened if I hadn't had written that book." Right. <laughs> and I'm like, interesting. That's an interesting thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sid says, "No." this isn't your fault. This happened because Billy decided to kill a bunch of people, right? Cause yeah. Billy is a psychopath. <laughs> and I was like, they, they're, you could not watch scream three and understand this movie completely. Right. And there's part of me that feels like that that's not an accident. Yeah. I, I think so too. Um, I, I absolutely think that there is, as you said, some erasure of Scream 3 in that of moment. Roman. Yeah, oh, absolutely. For sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Although, can, okay, can we talk about one of the coolest, like, Easter eggs um, in, sure. in the movie? Um, in the hospital, Tara is watching an episode of Dawson's Creek. And that alone is amazing because yeah. Kevin Williamson created Dawson's Creek, wrote it and everything. Sure. Um, but she's watching the episode of Dawson's Creek that was made as a riff on Scream. Right. Um, and Scott Foley is in that scene. 
<laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it's just it's just so i i loved that i was like i cackled in the theater like there were so many like little little pieces yeah that just i i i loved it but, that's weird yeah. though that's kind of like uh multiverse paradox kind yeah. of stuff it, it's kind of <laughs> like uh melissa williams watching scream 2 michelle in halloween h2 michelle sorry yeah. yeah michelle williams watching scream 2 mm-hmm. in halloween h2o Yep. Like what? What movie do you think they were talking about when they watched Scream <laughs> One? Right. You know. <laughs> yep. Yep. So um, anyway, yeah. Um, but I, I love so it. It just feels like they intentionally overlooked Roman, who, yeah. according to Scream Three, started it all. Yeah. Yep. Right. Which yeah. it has always been. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm okay overlooking that. Yeah. I mean, even Scream 4 avoid like, there's no reason to bring him up, but they it avoids right. it as well. Um, yeah. 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 Although, it, it, then there could be an argument uh, to be made that Nev Cam, or uh, Nev, uh, Sydney's husband, whose mm-hmm. first name is Mark. Mark is Mark Kincaid. Is Mark Kincaid. Yeah. Which would be cool. I like no, that. I, I do that like that. Her. I do like yeah, that. That's awesome. Um, so, so the, the big climax, to, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to bring us into the finale of it. Yeah. Um, let me, let me ask a question yes. to you then. I knew because of the promotion of this movie that it was, they were going to Stu's house. Me too. D- did you? Okay. So you sensed then also like I did that it was supposed to be a surprise. I I did. And I felt like that was, and I mean, this goes back. I mean, this is marketing. I was a little confused. Versus that. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I was like, why are they going to Stu? Did they oh, mention yeah. why they're going to Stu's house? What it, What mm. is it about Stu? Go ahead. Oh, oh, did you, do you still not know why? No, I figured oh, okay. out it was in the, the moment the inhalers. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's Amber's house. And I kind of missed that line. Like I missed okay. that, that you know that Amber always had the, the yeah. inhaler, and I, I was I don't was listening. I think I was thinking about Scream Three to be honest, and oh, I said sure. something. To, I was like, I said to Jake, I was like, why are they going to Stu's house? Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know. So I I almost have a feeling that he didn't know they were going to Stu's house. Yeah, well, and I that's said to the thing. Pat, and shout out to Pat. Maybe mm-hmm. he did know. Maybe he just didn't want to talk to me during the movie, <laughs> which I also understand completely. Sure, but he was like, I don't know, and I was like, what? why are they going like what's the big deal about Stu's house right like i know so i guess the casual viewer well yeah it's supposed to be a surprise because they they kind of shoot around it they don't have like an establishing shot when they get there right and like they're just shooting throughout it it's not the same i don't think it's necessarily the same angles as as in the first scream or anything and then it's not until Gail and Sid are saying like, okay, what's what's the address or where are they going? And then they're like, oh, here it is. And like they look at it and they don't say what it is because I was like waiting for them to say like, or I was waiting for uh, Tara in in the other car to say like, oh, the he li- she lives at two six one Turner Lane because that's so ingrained in my brain from that scene in Scream One where mm-hmm. uh, where Sid is calling the police. But um, but then it's not until Sid calls uh, Sam. And says like you're in Stu Mocker's house, and then it has that that wide shot of the house wide with the twist, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and like that's what I don't understand is why the marketing would market that so hard. <laughs> I agree, yeah, I agree. Like, it's it's a really cool shot, yeah, I know it, yeah, and that would have been a really cool moment mm-hmm. that feels like now we know, um, you know, filmmaking wise that that the directors of the movie and the producers. Mm-hmm. 
often don't have a whole lot to do with the trailers. Right. Absolutely. With the creation or the of the promotional materials. That, yeah. The promotional material, the editing of the trailers. Yeah. So there, there's part of me that feels like that there was some miscommunication there. Yeah. I've got to say. Because that scene is surely filmed yeah. like a surprise. Oh, yeah. And I've got to say, the poster with Stu's house on it is my favorite poster that was official poster for this movie. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, it's yep. so cool. And I love the tagline on it that says, the killer is on this poster. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, God damn it, I love it. But yeah. So the finale, the big, like everything going on in the house, um, I I loved Mindy so much. The the fact that she's watching Stab, watching her Ugh. her uncle and doing the same thing, like that that could have been such a cheesy fan service kind of thing, but mm-hmm. it's done so well and like Ugh, her performance works. is so awesome. It works so well. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. yeah. I I just yeah. I mean you know, when we did the commentary, I love mm-hmm. that scene so much. I love oh, yeah. that the, the that scene is scored to the score of Halloween because yep. it's playing on the TV, and then the you know the sounds from Stab are playing. Yep. Also, did you notice that the guy who played Randy uh, was cr- in Stab was credited in this movie because it's the first time they ever cast a oh, Randy. Yeah. In a role, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you know, Luke yeah. Wilson and, yep. and Heather Graham, and you know they they have. Tori Spelling is yep. Sydney, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, and that actor, he uh, drove Jane Seymour's stagecoach in one episode of Medicine Quinn. Or of, of Medicine... Fuck, I messed medicine, it up. Dr. Quinn, Medicine Dr. Woman? Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. That's gotcha. the, the Randy line from Scream 2. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I thought that moment was awesome. Of course, she's yeah. sitting on the couch yep. watching it and the, as the people are gone. Um, mm-hmm. The other scene I thought w- worked really well was Mindy and Amber in the basement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And then, you know, like, you don't go down alone. Mm-hmm. But then who would go? Like, right. maybe I'm the killer. They. I, you know, I don't think there was ever a moment where I suspected that Mindy was the killer. Me neither. And I'll be honest, I didn't think Amber was the killer I, either. I didn't either. That came as a surprise. It came as um, a surprise yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, do you want to talk about that? The killers and the motives and everything? Or do we want to talk more about the house? No, let's do okay. it. That's fine. So yeah. the killers are Amber and Richie. Yes. Um, how did you feel about that? And how did you feel about the motive of the killers? I love it a lot. I think it's awesome. Uh, I, I think this this movie, uh, forgive the cliche, but it kind of had its cake and ate it too. Yeah. Uh, this movie is kind of making fun. It's making fun of two things while also, I don't know, making fun of itself or paying homage to Scream. I mm-hmm. don't know. So the movie is sending up two different things. It's talking yeah. about requels but it's also talking about toxic fandom. So yeah. it, it, it kind of takes aim at two different things, which for me feels like the first time that's ever been done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that. I, I think that, I think that that's effective. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that it's any less believable than Jill's motive in Scream no. four. I mean, Scream four, super prescient. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, things got even worse on the internet after that, you know, and, and and fame and, you know, uh, adoration and everything Mm -hmm. she was going off about. Um, I, I, 
I feel like I remember people saying that that her motive was unbelievable in part four. Oh, and I can't believe people don't have a problem with this motive. No, I well, I, I, I don't did, have a problem with. Oh, that. I don't either. I, I read um, there was a very like one of the it was on Huff, Huffington Post. Like, um, like it is. I disagree wholeheartedly with all of it, but um, uh, the reviewer is Candace Frederick. Um, Huffington Post, the the headline is, The new Scream doesn't deserve its name. (laughs) It's a foolish knockoff that tries desperately to become a clone of the OG film, except there's nothing smart about it. (laughs) Which, yeah, I'm like, I absolutely disagree. And I almost sent a screenshot to you of it. Um, Huffington Post? Yeah, like I'll read it. I'll yeah. search it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll just read this one quick paragraph. Um, it's a shame, really, because elevated horror deserves real commentary be- beyond the I prefer movies like the Babadook uh, line in the newer, sillier version of Scream. And if this film were half as smart as its characters pretend it is, it would contextualize things like peer pressure, young white male rage and entitlement, as well as the many menacing themes that are hidden in the veneer of suburbia that this film sits on without actually acknowledging like that kind of sounds like to me that it's that 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 the writer just wants the movie to be something else entirely. They want it, a different movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that just doesn't gel at all. <laughs> um, right. But yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That short. I excursion. could see. I mean, I I I would be interested in a in a non satirical serious take on Scream. That'll never that happen. I mean, yeah. that that sh- that ship has sailed, but. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not that screen no. will always be at least somewhat satirical. Absolutely. Over exaggerated. I mean, when you think about, you know, what's unbelievable about their motive, Richie mm-hmm. and Amber is that people who feel that way don't look as pretty as Amber. <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Completely. I mean, they're beautiful people. Like yeah. that's not, you know, yeah. I, don't know. Um, I will say, <laughs> Jack Quaid, every time he smiles, I'm like, I see his father. Like, he has his father's smile. It's so oh, weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. So their motive of being just toxic fans that wanted to reclaim, give Hollywood more source material for their favorite franchise. I think that that is such a unique expansion of what was the motive in Scream 4. And that's one of the reasons why I think... I'm very much okay with it not being a personal motive because I kind of feel like Scream 4 is something of a bridge between the trilogy and whatever Radio Silence is doing or will do in the future for the franchise, if anything, because we had that in Scream 4. Jill's whole motive was she wanted to be famous like her cousin and she wanted to be she wanted to be a victim and she wanted to have that star power. Um and I still just adore the end of that movie where it's just the the last scene of that movie is reporters talking about how the hero of the new massacre is Jill and it's a name everyone's going to know about and everything like that is such a cool ending. And then yeah. we have here this motive of them wanting to them them making their own movie, which is in line with several movies in the franchise. Like, sure, it's it's like Mickey's motive on another level. It's like yeah. Roman's on another level. Um, it's just, it is so, it is so cool to me. I, I loved it. I really, really loved it. Um, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, it's about unhealthy relationships with yeah. movies, right. And people complaining about, um, 
You know, I think there's a lot of movies that they're talking about and they're talking about a lot of horror movies, but I yeah. think about like DC fandom. Oh, absolutely. Right? DC movies and Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. and Justice and Snyder cuts. Yeah. And all that stuff that I'm not really particularly familiar with. But, right. Um, that fan base is damaged and broken. Yeah. And, and there are some <laughs> people, I don't think that they... I don't know that anybody has taken it to homicidal extremes like she and Amber have. Um, But the lengths to which some people argue that their vision of a thing should be the case is, I mean, sociopathic. Oh, absolutely. And like, yeah, some of them are damaged. I'm sure some of them even have damaged tattooed on their forehead. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but funny. no, like in in also Star Wars fans, right? Very, it, it is about unhealthy unhealthy relationships, like you said, with movies and and fandom and everything. And it's one thing that I like. I like. <laughs> I think one of the reasons why this movie spoke so so well to me is that I have gotten to the point where I just I hate the concept of fandom, even though I just talked about how great it is to have the new entry in one of my favorite franchises of all time come out and everything and geeking out over it and everything and how much I've looked forward to just gushing over it with you. Um, I hate the idea of fandom because it inherently is about making your identity or your personality patterned after something that you love. And it's something that it disregards the art of it. It doesn't, it doesn't view it as a, as an art form. It views it as a, as a personality trait that you have. And that's where it just gets to be un, un, unwieldy and dangerous and, mm-hmm. and dumb for, for lack of a better word, because I'm someone who I talk about movies and TV. Right. I talk of like, we talk about this. We discuss it and critique it as an art form and to have it. Well, be I, a, yeah, yeah, exactly. And not that we yeah. need the validation or the confirmation, no. but we are connoisseurs of the art. We, right. which is what we talk about, you know, both of us, we appreciated that Dewey died because we care about the story and the filmmaking Mm -hmm. and, and allowing, you know, artists and creators to make content and just saying, Hey, like it or don't. Yeah. Here it is. Absolutely. Um, I will also say talking about Amber, um, I, I love the teen aspect of that where when she, (laughs) when they're fighting her in the in the kitchen and she's like she's like i'm so sorry i'm i'm just a stupid kid i don't know what i'm doing um and then gail's like you killed my best friend and then she just switches and it's like yeah and he died like a pussy um just like it's just so great and then the the whole like i'm sorry i'm sorry about doing i'm sorry about doing yeah it's yeah it's pretty spot on i don't know a whole lot of homicidal teenagers but uh yeah there's something about that um i don't know that disingenuous yeah lack of empathy mm-hmm. um it's not to the same level know, self-centered yeah Go ahead. It, it's not to the same level but it is vaguely similar to stew in scream one like the whole my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me thing because it's her like realizing like oh okay my life's over like this is now it's now it's over like this is done like i'm done listen <laughs> this is yeah this is real um Right. And I think, yeah, man, there's something there if Mm -hmm. we want to write an essay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Stu, when he kind of, uh, you know, breaks character, breaks the 
the mm. psychopathic tendencies and you see the realness is kind of indicative of what teenagers were like in the 90s. I mean, yeah. they were sarcastic and weird, but honest. But kids today, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if Scream 5 is actually taking that angle, but yeah. we could, you know, if we wanted to, mm-hmm. we could say that they're making a critique on teenagers today that even in the face of death, they're still mm-hmm. selfish pricks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that some oh, of the yeah. worst of them are just like this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, it's those those damn uh, those damn social networks and social medias. Yeah. Um, I say this, you know, thinking I, I might have a few students listen <laughs> to this episode. And I'm pretty sure the ones who would listen mm-hmm. aren't psychopaths. I, sure. I, I have great students and I love them dearly. But <laughs> nice. Um, you know. Some teenagers are really terrible. Yeah. They're really terrible. And I think that there is a legitimate critique to be made. And maybe Screen is is making that critique. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, To kind of wrap up, because we are we're running over our time. And I'm I'm sorry for that. Um, It's fine. But um, the uh, Sam, the, the final like vision of Billy and her like her her kill of of Richie. Uh, where she <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was cool. Like as much as I, as much as I'm indifferent to the Billy aspect of it, like the vision of Billy, I thought that that was so cool. Uh, the, like, don't fuck with, um, don't fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. Like that harkens back to scream four with the don't fuck with the original line. Yep. Yep. Um, and then just like the berserker mode of stabbing him and everything yep. is just so great. Um, ah, so great. Yeah, it yeah, reminded that whole, me that whole bit was great. Oh yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the descent um, when uh, when she comes out of the like tunnel and she's covered in blood and she's screaming a little bit, like mm-hmm. vaguely. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I don't know. It. I need to look into this, and maybe there's an essay brewing here too. Nice, but um, the like the vicious constant stabbing, yeah, feels like a fairly new trend in hair horror. Oh, I mean, new as in like maybe last 10, mm-hmm. 12 years, but like you look at 90s slashers, yeah. for instance, there's like one stab and done, yeah, or like a stab and then they gut them. It's you know, noticeably kind of different in this franchise in this entry for sure, yeah. And yeah. and I, I it's love in it. here, but it's not the first time I've ever seen the killer stab many, many times in Malignant, oh, yeah. James Wan's mm-hmm. Malignant, uh, like vicious multiple stabbings yeah uh which not to end this on like you know gross creepy note but like sure when you watch or read about true crime and Mm -hmm. it's like so and so was stabbed 27 times you're like how Mm -hmm. i feel like they're starting to put that in movies now oh yeah little dark (laughs) sorry about that a little bit yeah that's true yeah oh Good stuff, though, in the movie. Yeah, yeah good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, murders yeah. and things. Murders and things. I guess, um, you know, to kind of tie it back around to the mm-hmm. beginning, or one of the early things we talked about, what I love about the franchise, and this one holds true, is that there's no suggestion that there's a sequel. Or at yeah. least the ending doesn't hinge upon the potentiality of the sequel. Right. I love that there's no mid-credits scene. There's Same no tag. Here. There's no hint. We don't need it. This movie is over. Yeah. 
How do you feel about the franchise moving forward? What would you like to see? I was going to ask you the same question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. (laughs) I I love it. I love it. Um, Man. Okay. So the fact that this is the first, the first movie where the killers don't, don't have a personal connection to Sid or have a personal motivation that's related to Sid. I feel like that alone opens it up to being, like to having at least one or two more entries and be still yeah. be fresh. Um, yeah. And I hope to God that this is the last we see of Sid and Gale because I don't want them to be back and I don't want them to be in danger. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I love the idea that it's hinted at in this movie a little bit that, that Ghostface is a, is a specter in the town of Woodsboro. Like Woodsboro yeah. is cursed. I want Woodsboro to be the Haddonfield of the Scream franchise. Um, Which, by the way, I adored the line in the car early in the movie with Sam and Richie where uh, where Sam is explaining like what the stab movies are and everything. And he's like, that's Halloween, right? It's Halloween. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, God damn it, that's awesome. No, I Um, think there's something there. I I, I think this movie does suggest in a subtle way that this movie is about Woodsboro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what I that's what I wanted. And I I want more of that. Um, Mm -hmm. It like in Scream 4 when uh, the killer calls Sydney and says that uh, says that he, she left her town behind and everything. Like I wanted it to be more focused on Woodsboro, and I think that this this more so than Scream Four brings it back to basics, brings it back to the town of Woodsboro, and I think that there's fresh stuff to be mined there. I don't know how they will tie that into horror and and the meta ness of it and everything, but I think that they I think that they could make a sequel and judging from the box office, they surely will. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, but I I want the same team back because I think Radio Silence and the, I don't have the names of the writers, but uh, James Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember the other one, but, uh, but I think that they, I like, I wrote at the end of the, at the end of my review that this franchise is in, in very capable hands and that Wes Craven would be proud. And I stand by that because I think that this is just a beautiful tribute to, his legacy and also its own interesting thing. And it's something that is just so special and recognizes how special the franchise is. And I think that in the right hands, which it's in, I think that uh, there can be a lot, a lot more fun in, uh, in, in scream kills and scream ends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How about you? Where do you, where do you want to see the franchise go? Yeah, I feel similarly. Um, what I always think of is that meta perspective or the satirical satirical perspective that Scream mm-hmm. is taking. So, I don't I don't really know where they could go with a sixth entry yeah. or a sequel to the requel. You, I, I don't know what you know. The current trend right now is requels, or mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to do a. Um, found footage one just because right. found footage. I, I don't think Scream would go that low. So no. I don't, you know, I think there are infinite possibilities about where they could go with some of these characters mm-hmm. and, you know, Woodsboro and new characters that we met, you know, in an era where we can get as many Spider-Mans to our heart's content in yeah. one movie as we want. Yeah. Maybe we do get <laughs> Kirby in another movie. Maybe yeah. Jill still is alive. I'm interested mm-hmm. in some of that stuff. Um, 
you know, it's not crazy fan theory to think those things anymore. Right. They, we get all kinds of crazy stuff in movies now. It's, it's yep. fun to speculate. But I wonder <laughs> what the point of a sixth one would be. Yeah. I, it's up to someone who has a, a better grasp on it than I do. But mm-hmm. I'll kind of uh, repeat like what you said about uh, the creative team. Uh, you know, Radio Silence and the writers who were involved. What this movie, this version does so well, aside from being satirical, is I do think in a lot of ways it looks back. I mean, it's a love letter to Wes Craven. It's a love letter to the first movie. Yeah. It's a love letter to Sydney and Ghostface Mm -hmm. as a supernatural entity. It's a love letter to Woodsboro. I think there's a lot about this that looks forward. I think they're, you know, there are differences in it. There's differences in the tone. There's, you know, the color of the film looks a little bit different as mm-hmm. if to say, yeah, you know, this is for Wes, but this isn't Wes. Yeah. This is something new. Uh, and I am thrilled at the idea that if there's more, that they would be involved, that radio silence would be involved. Um, there are certainly plenty of likable characters that could mm-hmm. return in another one. Yep. And, you know, I think good slasher franchises should continue. Yeah. I don't know how it's not up to me. I just, um, I'm looking forward to what it is. Cause I think it's nice. almost a lock that we're going to get another one. Oh, absolutely. And even if it sucks, I'm just so I'm I'm so excited. Just yeah, I'm riding that high of Scream 22. At this point, they have to like if you pitch one, you mm. pitch its sequel. Like yeah. it's like this was pitched as a trilogy, right? right. I mean, again, I don't I don't want to sound too like speculative sure. fanboy here, but come on, yeah, uh, psh, right? Yep. Uh, I love it so much. I'm so excited. Um, But yeah, but I'm seeing it again tomorrow and you're likely going to see it again, I would think, in theaters. I hope so. If you can get away. If I can get away, like I said, uh, we're kind of waiting on a COVID test. So the jury's out on there. I I was going to see it in the theaters um, no matter what. I'm sorry that that sounds a little callous about COVID. Oh, no. and, And... you know, uh, respect to everybody who, who, who didn't want to go out to see it, whatever. Right. Uh, but I do kind of wish it was streaming yeah. somewhere. Yeah. I, do, I, I would probably watch it three times at home oh, yeah. before then. We would do, we would do a commentary track and everything. <laughs> we would do a commentary track. <laughs> oh yeah. The whole bit. Yeah. So yeah. no, I'm definitely excited to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we're on a time crunch, but I definitely fully intend to commentary screen too. Oh, with hell you. yeah. Oh yeah. I am just I am in a place where I'm not ready to leave Woodsboro. I am so glad that you said that. We will be recording those commentaries for sure. And again, <laughs> patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, five dollar tier. Uh I I'm so excited to talk more screen with you. Um <laughs> Scream forever, man. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's wind down a little bit. That's our review of Scream. Uh let us know what you guys thought. And Mike, once again, tell us where we can find you online, your letterbox, your Twitter, your band, your Patreon, all that. Awesome. Thank you for the shout out. Yeah. Uh, so at Twitter, I am Mike White, and you can generally find everything about me there and links to everything elsewhere. Uh, the band is As Good As It Gets and As Good As It Gets Music dot com is the website, and that will take you everywhere you need to go. As Good As It Gets Music dot com. That's home base. It'll send you to Instagram. It'll send you to Spotify, YouTube, all this stuff. So check it out. 
new song coming out in one month from, nice. I don't know, today, yesterday, tomorrow, whenever mm-hmm. you hear this, February 18th, <laughs> new single. I'm excited for people to hear it. Nice. I am super pumped. And as always, Mike, it's an honor um, <laughs> to chat it's with you. an honor. Yes. Oh, I love it so much. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Well, that'll do it for this episode of Obsessive Viewer. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And uh and yeah, like I said, there are currently 25 commentary tracks on the five dollar level, in addition to all the stuff that you get on the two and one dollar levels. So support us and help us pay bills. (laughs) So uh yeah. Um all right, well we'll be back with another episode at some point, but thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. So, uh, the, the Easter eggs, there, was, there were a few that I was just, like, blown away by. Like, when Richie gets injured, um, oh god, in the hospital... And that makes so much sense why he was not killed instantly. And I didn't even think of that. Like, it's interesting because I wasn't really looking for who the killer was. I was just enjoying the ride. But when he gets, uh, when he gets injured, it's like, I'm going to quote Scream 2. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like Derek getting, getting cut in Scream 2. It's that, that pity me surface room, that surface wound that conveniently missed every major vein and artery. Um, to quote the dearly departed Randy Meeks in Scream 2. Um, and just like that level of Easter egg where it's, it's this thing that like, it's very, it's subtle. It's so subtle and done so well. And so just uh, like chef's kiss, like chef's kiss to that. It is just amazing. Um, and then they subvert, um, they subvert the expectation because Derek was not a killer, but Richie is and like oh my god that's so awesome and then another really cool this podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts for exclusive bonus content including reviews commentaries and b-roll episodes you can subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode